If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Welcome to Weekly, the show where we recap the week on Eurogamer for you, as well as hear more from some of the reviewers and writers about the pieces they wrote. Remember, supporters of the Eurogamer website get these episodes every Friday, whereas everyone else listens from Monday. To find out more about how to support us, see the description below. I'm Bertie, a longtime writer for Eurogamer, and joining me today on Weekly are news reporter Ed Nightingale. Hey, Ed. Hello. Nice to see you both. Nice to see you. And features editor Christian Donnan. Hello, Christian. Hey, uh, hi. Oh, sorry. I talked over you. That's a good start. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you both for being on the show. I hope you're managing to stay cool on this, uh, the hot, not the hottest day, but a very hot day. So let's get straight into it. Ed, you wrote one of the big reviews this week for Two Point Campus, and it sounds very much like you enjoyed your trip back to university. How was it? Yeah, it was a nice excuse to relive my youth a little bit and uh, and remember the the good old days of university. Um, I don't know how familiar you both are with Two Point Hospital, but in the way it plays, it's um, it's very similar. Um, it's similar art style, similar controls, similar ideas, um, but they've really added in a lot of depth, a lot of different levels, um, and they've really encapsulated that university experience. Um, it's not just uh, managing classes uh, with, you know, lecture rooms and bathrooms and dormitories, but they've really added in a lot of the entertainment side. So there's a student union, there's parties, there's clubs, um, and there's a there's a friendship system where you put little friendship items down and all your little cute uh, students, uh, very funnily named, um, I should add. Um, I had one called Nigella Fromage, who was evicted straight away. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, they can make friends with each other. And then you add love items as well. Um, uh-huh. So there's an item called a love trumpet um, where they, they, blow bubbles. <laughs> they blow bubbles around the love trumpet and, uh, and become romantically involved. Um, and it's all very inclusive and all very sweet and funny. Um, so it's, it's really encapsulating the entirety of that university experience, but with some very silly fantasy lessons. Um, and a lot of very silly British humour. It's it's the personality of the game that really captured me. Oh, lovely. I'm fascinated. I never went to university, so I'm fascinated by this experience that um, I missed out on, effectively. And you, you get it pushed to you in lots of films, like The Monsters University, Pitch Perfect, all these accurate documentaries of what university is like so i'm fascinated to give it a go was your university experience like this experience in the game ed um well i studied music at university Did um you? and one of the classes in the game is a music class so i was very excited to give that a go and see how it how it went um obviously they have some very silly instruments so it's not your obvious music <laughs> music classes um which is uh, which is very amusingly done um and in particular that music level um there's a twist on that level in that the students actually don't pay tuition fees but instead there is a local record company called bungle records 
And when the students get to a certain experience level, they get bought by the record company and I presume given a record deal. Um, So um, that sadly did not happen to me in real life. Um, And I unfortunately did not have free tuition either. What Um, instrument do you play? I play guitar. Lovely. Guitar and singing. I did, I did lots of theater stuff. Um, Wow. There's sadly not a theater, a theater class uh, in the game, but uh, you, you can do an open mic night though, which is quite funny. Fantastic. Christian, uh, you wrote the other big review this week, and that was for Cult of the Lamb, uh, a game I've been looking forward to personally. So I imagine you're part of the cult now, or are you? Is it good? It is good. It's really lovely. It's a sort of um, mashup of sort of base building, sort of city building on a very low key way. Uh, That sort of thing with uh, roguelite stuff. Uh, You are running a cult and you are trying to keep your flock happy or at least alive and sort of busy because they give you um, the resource you need to sort of expand and to become more powerful when you go through these dungeons that you're running through. It is uh, a lot of fun. It's it's really nice. It's You feel a lot of the time that there's a slightly more savage game in this topic, but that would probably be made about sort of like MLMs or something like that. Um, there's It's... it's it's a, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I liked it a lot. It's very pretty. The colours are great. The art styles, sort of um, 2D, 2D elements moving around in a 3D world. It's got that lovely sort of felt pen feel to it. Sort of um, feels a bit. Um, oh gosh, what's the name of the what's the name of the lovely illustrator? This is going to bug me now. The sort of <laughs> um, do I mean Ronald Searle? Give me a second. Ronald Searle. That's who I meant. It's got that sort of slight feel to it. Um, I remember being particularly taken with the art style, but also I only played a, a beginning chunk of it. And the base, you kind of build a working kind of town in a sense with culty buildings. Of. And, and build I wondered where. Thing. Oh, sorry. I cut you off. I was just going to say, the... I wondered where that was going, that, that side of the game. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's one of those things which is there for as much as you want it. Um, there is. Uh, I. I think, you know, you can get really into it and you can be generating lots of stuff, becoming very powerful, but you can also kind of like on the easier settings, you can neglect it a bit and just go through the game and see what you want to see. Everything sort of, everything is, there's, it's dizzyingly and dauntingly complex at first, but then you realize that everything is basically feeding into the same systems. It's just different ways of becoming powerful, different ways of losing your power. And there's some sort of fun stuff emerges from it. Um, I do just quickly want to say that it's not the best game I've played this week for review, but the other one isn't out yet. The other review isn't out yet. And that's um, Arcade Paradise, which is absolutely stunning. Um, So uh, Cult of the Lamb is great and I I like it a lot. And I love the sort of obvious craft and the love that's gone into sort of making this thing. But Arcade Paradise is, is really something special. What is Arcade Paradise? Well, it's interesting that occasionally you get two games at the same time, which sort of you almost want David Denby from the New Yorker to write a piece that sort of brings them all together. <laughs> we, so Arcade Paradise, is, if the Cult of the Lamb, you could see it as like a roguelite with a very elaborate mount, city town building mount that it goes in. Um, arcade Paradise is a game about running a laundrette that has an arcade in the back. And all of the arcade games are, they're all made up, but they're all based on sort of familiar ideas. Um, and as you, the idea is the more you run this company, the more that the arcade stuff takes over and the laundrette comes into the background. But it's just uh-huh. an absolutely beautiful, 
game, it feels not like an act of nostalgia because that could be quite cloying. It feels more an act of like memory, sort of proper mm. sort of, you know, the past and the things that were wonderful about sort of arcades and sort of the weird pleasures of terrible jobs. Like even though the arcade games are good, what I'm really, I really do love is running this stupid fucking laundry. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and like when you get an S rank for sort of doing clothes, you're, you're pretty happy. Some of the games are ingenious. I think the one which most people are going to, talk about is there's a sort of mashup of uh the original top-down gta and pac-man it just works <laughs> so well it, it's a really beautiful and it, i think we talked before about the fact that gta was actually inspired by pinball and it turns out that pac-man is an equally good sort of um uh basis for it, it has that lovely back and forth thing with the cops which pac-man has with the ghosts yeah it's it's really good and it, it cult of lamb is lovely but it's almost polished to the point where it feels slightly um it it, it doesn't have the person for, for a game which is about something quite striking it feels so competently polished and poised that it doesn't really have a personal identity i'm sure for the people who made it it's an enormously personal thing but i think what you get as a player almost is an overwhelming wave of craft and the craft in arcade Paradise is really extraordinary as well, but it manages to retain that sense of a personal identity. Um, God, I got myself real tangled up there, sort of almost trying to say that one game wasn't personal and the other one didn't have any craft. It's not true. <laughs> they both have both, but I got that sense of personality much more from Arcade Paradise. I think it's really an astonishing thing, and I'm just so happy it exists. Fascinating. So your reviews in the works and will be up soon, presumably. Yeah, it'll be up soon, maybe. Um, I feel it's going to slip a little bit um, because there's a lot to it and I want to sort of get um, the most out of it. Fair enough. So over in Features Land this week, uh, Vicky delivered a state of the game piece on Apex Legends, which she's been playing on and off um, since it came out. And she's kind of down on it. The main critique here seems to be that the older this game gets, the creakier it gets, both in the sense of it's lacking new stuff good new stuff, new content, the new characters that come out seem to be a bit bland, but also in the sense that there are problems with the community and with the way the game works that are going unaddressed. People just leave halfway through the game and there's this um, skill-based matchmaking that is, for her, is getting rid of some of this knockabout, unpredictable fun that the game had at the beginning where sometimes you'd win, sometimes you wouldn't, and it's that unpredictability of Battle Royale that's uh, intoxicating almost apparently the, the community is even planning to boycott the game this month just to get respawn to kind of listen and it it brings into fo sharp focus we were talking about Fortnite last week maybe and it's in quite stark contrast to that and i suppose the drain or the resources you need to really sustain and develop a live service game like this maybe the the skill too I, I i don't know i don't know about that but i think it's interesting when you put them next to each other we also had alan wen do a state of the game piece this time about genshin impact another game which is uh huge at the moment a game that was originally dismissed by the snobby kind of west as a, a breath of the wild clone but that's blossomed into its own kind of trend setting thing now and in contrast to vicky alan is 
in love with this game still you can hear it in the way he writes he's like 500 plus hours in and is keen to spend even more time in it and really nice i thought that he hasn't been tempted to spend real life money i don't think yet which i think is something people are scared of when they see free to play and they see games like this they're like it's just it's just a, a money grab ed you're nodding your head like maybe you play the game Oh no, no, I haven't. I haven't played um, a lot of Genshin. I played like maybe a couple of hours at the start, but it's just that's the one thing that I've noticed is that sort of gacha mechanic, and people are constantly wanting all these different characters. And I imagine you can very easily spend a lot of money on that. Yeah, it's there, I think, and you buy kind of new characters and things. But enormously positive, and I think this is a game that's going to be around for for, for years to come. We also had Henry Stockdale write a piece about adapting famous tabletop role-playing games, Warhammer and Dungeons and Dragons, for video games, which isn't as easy as it sounds, despite you know the many games we've had. He talked to Larian uh, for this, who's making Baldur's Gate 3, and also to the makers of Warhammer 40,000, Battle Sector. Sector, not Sector. <laughs> and we I had our... play that game. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> we had our last ever Someone Should Make a Game About. I think it's our last ever Someone Should Make a Game nope. About. Nope. It's not. Nope. I take nope. that back. They... Um... Sorry, I, I, I run this series, so I should probably say they are very occasional now. They're basically, um, that series came in for some uh, sort of interesting reasons that I wanted to give. Should I tell people this is interesting or boring? I wanted freelancers to have um, pieces in their repertoire which weren't about games so they could kind of pitch to other places more easily and go, oh, I've written about games, but I've also written this thing about something else. Um, and... Uh, and I think it was good for that. And I think uh, I think it worked in that sense. Never a series that the readers sort of loved. Um, but when I get a good one pitched and the Alexis Ong one was unmissable, it, that, I still think they're fun. I really like them. I really so like the Alexis them. Ong one is about a fighting fantasy league made up of your favourite 90s or 2000s noughties uh, pop bands, a kind of blaze ball or blast ball, I don't know how to pronounce that, where you can pit, say, S Club 7 against Take That. Who would be your pop band pick? You can't have people like, obviously, like Oasis and Blur and Prodigy, people like that. They're not pop bands. They don't count. Just pop bands. Who who would you have? Who are you asking? I think Ed should answer this as a music graduate. Yeah, <laughs> Ed. Um, uh, I feel bad picking an American band, but I'd go NSYNC. Okay. You think Justin <laughs> Justin Timberlake's packing some punch? Absolutely. Great dance, great dance moves. Dirty Pop is a, is a great tune. <laughs> I know it well. Um, I, think, I think the Spice Girls would fight dirty. Anyway, anyway. Also in Features Land this week, I, I looked at a game called Farthest Frontier, which is it's a city builder, but it's more of a town builder. It's a bunch of working class people are fed up in a city of, of being kind of shat on by the rich, um, I suppose, ruling class and just being exploited. So they take off and they start their own settlement as far away as they can get in this farthest frontier this beautiful wilderness and a lot of the game is you taming the land um, this wild place with bears and wolves and what i really liked about it was how small it kept it even i think hours in you're, you're only talking settlements of hundreds of people like 400 people not metropolises that for me they get out of control and they're never exactly what you wanted to be and for me that i'm playing with that sense of regret that i just want to start again and neaten everything up and and make it different and this game keeps it all small you can just watch people going about their daily tasks a bit like anno but even more smaller scale than um anno and a bit 
technologically earlier as well. I don't think it crosses over into that industrial revolution. So all the smog and stuff doesn't get into the air. So that's just hit early access um, and it's quite promising. This, I'm sure it runs out of ideas at some point and it's an early access, so there's stuff to fix, but yeah. In video land this week, Ian has been playing a Final Fantasy VII remake integrade, integrade uh, in VR um, and tells me it's absolutely fantastic. I went from Shinra's reactor right at the start of the game all the way to Sector 7 slums to meet some cats, a dog, but most, most importantly, Tifa, he says. Heyo or something. He did like an exclamation of happiness. He's really into that. He's also been playing a game called Compound in VR, which is a blend of 90s FPS aesthetics and modern roguelike gameplay. He says it's a bit like being inside Duke Nukem. Not that way. <laughs> Typical. Interesting. Typical Ian. He's also taken a look at the old very first Saints Row game uh, ahead of the new Saints Row game coming out in a couple of weeks time. Ian and Zoe have been continuing their playthrough of Dead by Daylight dating spin-off Hooked on You, which they both really like. Ed, have you been playing this? Uh, I did play through it, yeah. I think I was a little less hooked, ah. so to speak, uh, than they were. Um, it's uh, If you're a D Dead by Daylight fan, it's got a lot of uh, references and things like that in it. It's... Um, for me, it's maybe a little bit too self-knowing. Um, okay. Dead by Daylight is funny in its thirst because you don't expect it, whereas <laughs> this is very much like, hey, we're really thirsty and we know it, um, which kind of undermines the joke a little bit for me. But it's still it's still a lot of fun to play through. It's a, an odd idea. I love that it exists uh, at all. Um, Ian and Zoe also, um, the, the video team also had a look at Zoe's looking at an Elden Ring uh, cut questline for the Asimi. I'm not sure about this, but this is, I'm told this is the thing. And they've also cut the new Pokemon Fido to pieces, if you want to see what that looks like, in their six new things we learned about Pokemon Scarlet and Violet video. I On Digital Foundry that. this week, um, Digital Foundry took a really close Digital Foundry style look at the 1440p firmware update for PS5. Uh, and they like it. It's a pleasant surprise for them. Uh, although they've got some uh, some uh, criticisms, as they always do. Uh, the PlayStation theme continues with a full fat look at the Spider-Man remaster um, arrival on PC. Um, their coverage was slightly held back uh, due to all the patches that kept coming in for the game, but it should be there now by the time you are listening to this. They're also maybe going to take a look at the game running on Steam Deck uh, specifically if there's time. Um, DF is also taking a look at the remastered version of what remains of Edith Finch for PS5 and Xbox Series S and X, oh, wow. which I've seen uh, Tom playing in the office. And I mean, I remember it looking lovely anyway. I think I played it on Xbox Series S um, on Game Pass and it still looked nice to me, but seeing him play it looked even more wonderful. And it just reminded me of what a, a wonderful, special experience that is. And I encourage everyone to, to give it a go if you haven't, or just play it again, even if you have. Digital Foundry is also looking at how Apple's M1 Ultra uh, fares against high-end PCs. I don't know what I just said, but there we go. <laughs> so in Newsland this we'll week... We'll just smile and nod. <laughs> yeah. In Newsland this week, David Cage from Quantic Dream popped up in a fairly candid, candid interview with Edge magazine for the first time since, really, the allegations of an unhealthy workplace culture at the studio. Uh, were kind of exposed and, and leveled against it. And he addresses some of the issues, but there's a sense, as far as I'm concerned, that he is denying or downplaying some of the allegations rather than simply acknowledging any wrongdoing and uh, moving on. 
from there. He maintains that Quantic Dream is a fair and inclusive place to work today. And he also talks about his right to tackle serious themes in games that he um, hasn't personally had experience of, such as the background to this being kind of the domestic abuse scenes. Um, and I think the themes of race persecution in, in the game Detroit. Um, and he said, quote, yes, I am a white male. I'm 53, but I'm also a writer. Can I write only about 53-year-old males who live in France? He asked. Or isn't the work of a writer to put yourself in the shoes of someone else and try to imagine what it's like to be them? I mean, yeah, there's a fuller um, take on this in the, the news story itself. Um, I don't know. I'm not convinced entirely. And I, I think I'll probably say no more on the matter. We also had a Splatoon Direct, um, as Nintendo sometimes announces them at the last minute. The biggest news, as far as I could see, being that in Splatoon 3, there are three-way fights now. Um, and there'll be a chance to try them in a demo that's coming later this month on the 25th of August. The full game member launches on the 9th of September. Are either of you Splatoon players? Yep, There's love it. Nods. Yes. Are you excited about this new iteration? Yes. Free <laughs> more than anything it's going to be really interesting to see stuff like Incopolis Square where we go after that I, I, I know there's like a new hub and um, Marina and Pearl are no longer in it so it will be it's just stuff like that it's Splatoon is such a great game you don't really need to tweak the basics of it it's just again it's talking about like the mounts of things it's just the mount you put it in is uh is oh god the best i still think splatoon 2 is the best looking video game ever made i think it's just like artistically an absolute smash um wow. i know actually oh, no nice. mini motorways but the two of them mini motorways and splatoon 2 are kind of the best looking video games i think i've ever seen um but yeah super excited so i'm talking over ed i do apologize no no i'm just gonna say i'm very much looking forward to the sort of card game tetris mashup thing that they're adding in which i think looks genius very exciting. Fantastic. So we also had Microsoft announce that it was going to Gamescom this week. Gamescom is back this year. Not everyone is going. Um, Activision Blizzard won't be there. Sony and Nintendo are opting out. But people like Ubisoft or companies, I should say, like Ubisoft and Bandai Namco will be there, as well as the fleet of companies owned by the Embracer uh, group. Microsoft's taking the new Obsidian game Pentiment, which I'm keen to see a bit more of this josh sawyer passion project there's also going to be age of empires for flight sim and grounded but we kind of know a bit more about those um gamescon kicks off the 23rd of august that's a tuesday night as far as i know with opening night live the jeff keely thing we'll be covering that live and we'll also have chris tapsell um, on the ground at the show running around uh covering everything that's interesting for us elsewhere in news Overwatch loot boxes are finally to be withdrawn from sale at the end of the month. Overwatch 2, remember, will use a battle pass kind of system. Uh, for me as a, a fan of Overwatch, this was uh, a significant moment. But I also feel like Overwatch was one of the games that popularized loot boxes in the first place. Um, so it's nice to see them finally go. And I think everyone come kind of full circle on those and go, actually, they're not great. They're problematic. Let's push these out of games and move on. Capcom used the EVO 2022 stage to announce the first female African-American fighter in the Street Fighter series. Uh, she is Kimberly, who blends ninja movesets with an urban technique, which sounds cringy to me, but 
um even so um she's in street fighter 6 uh, which looks awesome um and in little bits of news someone's modded uh, the shadow of Mord mordor nemesis system into skyrim which sounds amazing um it's such a good idea for that game as well where the the wilds get a bit known and a bit boring i think after in in time having something like that spice it up is such a good idea uh pac-man we were talking about pac-man earlier um it's getting a live action movie adaptation i don't know what you do with that do you have is it like a detective pikachu vibe where you have uh someone like ryan reynolds playing pac-man i think meryl street someone in a anything. big yellow suit Meryl Streep, someone in a big, Meryl Streep in a big yellow suit, uh, singing, singing songs and running a Greek taverna um, and a secret two player mode in Super Punch-Out, that very old SNES game from 28 years ago, um, has been found after all these years. Uh, you need to hold down like buttons on different controllers um, at the same time on the title screen. Then another screen appears, this stage select screen, um, and then you can unlock the two player mode from there. And apparently this also works with Nintendo Switch Online, uh, the, ver the version there of, of Super Punch-Out. That's quite exciting, like a whole hidden mode that people haven't found for 28 years. Eat your heart out, okay, near Automata. <laughs> um, and that's it, a speedy weekly for us this week. Um, thank you very much, Ed Nightingale and Christian Donlan for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm Bertie, that was Weekly, and we will see you next week. Bye for now. <laughs>